Morning, church. Morning. Good to see you guys today. Thank you so much for neighborhood coming here. You know, I really believe, uh, Pastor Fred and I were on the same hearts, right, that we all belong to the same church. We have different campuses. This is the New Life campus, and we've done something at the neighborhood campus. But, you know, campus church is something that is not new. We all, if you believe in Jesus, you're part of the Big C Church. There's a wonderful verse that I love uh, in Psalm uh, 133, verse 1, that says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Amen? Amen. And I don't know about you, uh, but there's an often ignored second verse that, to that passage that actually resonates with me more. It says, It is like precious oil poured on the head running down the beard. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Anyone been oiling their beards this week in preparation for a joint? I think Ross been oiling the stash a little bit from looking really good, right? Well, you know, it's, it's God's Word talks about how important it is that those who belong to the Lord are unified. And we see what happens when they're not unified. God's people in Israel, they went through a civil war, and it was one of the most darkest times in their history. Lots of fighting, infighting between the two of them, and they were ultimately both conquered, captured, and taken captivity. And we see that warning after warning and warning about when we're not living in unity together. Jesus talked about it, right? He talked about that our love for each other should be so strong, our love for other Christians should be so strong that everyone else around in the world will want to become Christians because of our love. He prayed that prayer for us. So Jesus wants my love for Pastor Fred, for Kevin, Marty, Chris, Ralph, all of you guys, wants my love for you to be so strong that my neighbors will say, I want to be part of that Jesus thing because of the love that I have for you. And so that's why I just, it's just so special that we can come together um, and join together and worship God together. So today I want to highlight a quick passage uh, that's there. There are, in the Bible, 3,237 different individually named people, 3,200 people. Today we're going to talk about two that are named in there. They are Yodia and Sintichi. Come on. How many of you are familiar with Yodia and Sintichi? Hey, there you go. <laughs> Miss Gina is. Yodia and Sintichi are the two that we're going to talk about today. Um, they're in there. They're actually two that are in the book of Philippians. So the church in Philippi was started actually with a prayer meeting. That there was a group of uh, people, Paul and Timothy were together. They were praying. And all of a sudden, a bunch of women started gathering together. And the gospel was first spread in the Church of Philippi among women. And then there was another woman named Lydia who came and became saved. And then the first miracle in Philippi was uh, actually casting out a demon from a slave girl. So we have the entire Church of Philippi started by women. And then we also have, in this passage that we're going to read about, two specific women that Paul talks about and how dear they are to them. Something about the women in Philippi. That the, ch the church was started there with them. So the church was started in about 50 AD, and this letter was written about 15 years later. So the church has been around for a little while, but still pretty young. And at the end of this letter, as Paul is giving guidance to this young church, he addresses these two women here. So let's go ahead. I'm going to read here. It's Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. You can pull it up or I'll read it here. Paul says, 
I plead with Yaudia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, to help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause for the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. And that's all that we know the story of Yaudia and Syntyche. We know a couple things, that they were active in spreading the gospel in Philippi, co-laborers, but they also allowed a disagreement between the two of them to get so strong, so much vitriol, that Paul heard about it while he's in prison hundreds of miles away. This is before social media platforms. He didn't just pull it up and say, oh yeah, Yaudi and Syntyche are fighting again. That this was tearing the church apart. And Paul thought it was worth mentioning, hey, both of you guys, I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. This is something that was could be super potentially da dangerous. So there's several things that we learned from this passage. The first is, let me know if you've ever experienced this one, that even if you work together for the cause of Christ, you have disagreements. Has that ever happened before? Has anyone ever not had a disagreement when they've been in church before? I don't see a hand raised, right? That's part of it. Disagreements are a real thing. And I think sometimes when we have disagreements, it almost feels like there's some type of failure. Disagreements are a part of life. We see disagreements all the time. Paul disagreed with a lot of people. He disagreed with someone by the name of John Mark. Disagreed with Barnabas and Peter, the disciple. Just the ones that we know about. But what we learn in Scripture is that the most important part about a disagreement isn't how it starts, it's how it ends. And the most important part is that when we disagree, what is it that we should actually do? When we're fighting in our respective church campuses here at New Life or a neighborhood or with each other or with the other church down the street, how is it that we come to bring reconciliation for that? Because ultimately, the way that we should treat each other is with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness self-control. I think for me, when I'm in disagreements, self-control is the one I have the hardest with. Amen. Taming that tongue. Right? When we want to say things that we sometimes regret later. So, Paul tells Yaudia and Syntyche to stop arguing not only because of their relationship because it was causing breakdown in the church body. And what's interesting and what's fascinating to me is that when he asked them to be of one mind, He's not suggesting that the two of them settle the matter by determining who was right and who was wrong. He doesn't ask them to debate it. Hey, you guys sit down in a room and debate and see who's right. What does he ask them to do? He says, become of the same mind, but not just the same mind. He says, become the same mind in the Lord. And that is the key to their reconciliation here. See, I think a lot of times when we have disagreements, what I want to try to do is, is I want to be in the same mind as you. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to try to argue and get your mind to match my mind. Right? Well, you're wrong. I'm right. So let's go ahead and see if you can be, we could be in the same mind by changing your mind. Or maybe the other way. Say, okay, well, why don't we try to come to some sort of agreement? I'll kind of, I'll kind of go with this. You're right. But see, this is the important part that Paul is asking here is that he's asking that each of them lay down the right to be right. 
to lay down the right to be right, and that they should change their minds to what Jesus' mind is. That they're in the same mind, not of each other, but in the same mind of the Lord Jesus. How many uh, musicians do we have here? Raise your hand if you play an instrument. Got a lot. It's got some musicians there. So, if you needed to tune instruments, just use instruments as an example, or guitars as an example. If you have two guitars that are playing on a worship team or a band together, how do you tune them? How do you make sure that they're in tune? Do you have both guitarists there? And you say, you know, this guitar is a lot more expensive than your guitar, so you tune your guitar to my guitar. Well, your guitar may be a lot more expensive, but I've been playing a lot longer than you. So you need to tune your guitar to my guitar. Is that how you insert? Or do you say, I'll tell you what, why don't for the first string on E, I'll tune to yours, and then on the A string, you tune to mine, and so forth and so forth. Is that how you tune a guitar? No. no. See, what you do is, you don't tune to each other. You tune to either a tuning fork or a guitar tuner. And when both of you tune to that tuner, you're perfectly in tune. In fact, if every guitar around the world, millions of guitars all tune to the same thing, every single guitar on earth would be tuned exactly together. See, that's what happens when we tune to Jesus. When you tune to Jesus, you are not just tuning yourself to him. You are in tune with every other Christ follower who's there. When I look at the way that the world is and the amount of noise that's going on in the world, I really want to ask, who is it that we are tuning ourselves to? What are we spending our time, our energy, and focusing on? Is it to Jesus? Am I trying to be of the same mind with somebody else because I'm telling you why? Let me tell you all the things that are in my mind. Or are we saying, you know what, I'm going to tune to Jesus, and if you're turning to Jesus, we're going to be brother and sister. Because ultimately, I don't know why Jesus decided to do this. Maybe I'll question him when I get to heaven. I don't know why Jesus would have the fact that my relationship with other Christians be the thing that causes people to come to his knowledge. I don't feel like that's a very smart plan. <laughs> you look around at the world and you're like, so we're, we're plan A and B? That the salvation of the world comes through us? But that's the way Jesus wants it. He wants us that as we attune into him, that we become in tune with each other. So right now I want to do something. If we can get our communion together, Larry, I don't know where you're at. I don't see you moving around, but uh, oh, look at that. So what we're going to do is we're, I want to get us all in tune today. So what we're going to do is we're going to take part in communion today together. We have these little cups. Thank you. We have these little cups. And communion is something that's an ancient practice. It's something that has been done for thousands of years. And it's one of the many ways that we express unity together, whether it be a Irish Presbyterian drinking from a chalice of wine, whether it be a Southern Baptist, the little grape juice and the things, our, individuals, our individual cups that we have today, this is a way that we have unity. We unify ourselves not only to 
those around us, but also unify ourselves for Christians for thousands of years. So today I want to do something a little bit different than what we typically do. When you have the elements, I'm going to ask that we actually get together in groups of about five, six, or seven, and everyone's going to take communion together. And I'm going to try to challenge you. Can you please try to get together with somebody that you don't know or someone from a different church campus than yours? Because I want this to really show that this is what unity in Jesus is, that we can take communion together. And we're going to have every single group doing it on their own. So pick the person who is the boldest or bravest to actually go ahead and lead. And we're going to take the elements, the bread, take a moment, pray for it. And then everyone in that group is going to take it together. And then we're going to go ahead and take the wine, or the, not wine, the grape juice. We don't really have wine. Take the grape juice and do that. This represents Christ's blood and uh, his body that was shed for us. So, uh, yeah, sure. So, our belief here at New Life is what's called an open table when it comes to communion, is that you don't have to be part of our specific denomination, our specific church, in order to go ahead and take communion. Communion is something that we allow and invite anybody uh, who wants to can go ahead and take part in communion together. So let's go ahead, and everyone, if we can just bundle up, give about three or four minutes, and then we'll come back together and end. All right, guys, well, now we are going to do another symbol of unity, because we're going to do our baptisms. And this, woo! So this is a symbol about those who have decided to be one with Jesus. So we have five right now who are going to be baptized. Whenever I do baptisms, I always like to have an invitation and invite anyone else who maybe have not already signed up for it to invite you to have the opportunity to be baptized in, as well. In the New Testament, the way baptisms work is as soon as you believe Jesus, they found whatever puddle or body of water closest to them and you were baptized. There's a story where somebody was literally baptized in a ditch on the side of the road because they met Jesus there, right? So, so that's what we'll do. So if you're sitting there and if you've never been baptized before, and you're feeling a, a tug or you're feeling something to do, why don't you go ahead and you can talk to Brandon while we're doing our baptisms. I'm also going to give uh, at the very end one more opportunity. So as you're just sitting there and if you're just like, man, I've never been baptized before, um, but I have said yes to Jesus and I want to feel closer to him and we do it because Jesus asked us to, uh, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and do that. So we'll go ahead. Oh. And just in case you're thinking that this is a problem or a detail, we have black shirts for you to wear. <laughs> so just logistically, we have black shirts and uh, towels. For, and towels for those who are gonna be baptized this morning. So 